Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Waterballic podcast with a fresh new theme tune. Um, today I'm joined by Ant as normal. How are we doing, Ant? Yeah, really good, mate. I'm a bit sunburned, but I'm alright. Great, no worries. I um, hope you've got, have put plenty of suntan lotion on, though, mate. I factored 50 up, mate, but it still hasn't worked. <laughs> oh, fair enough, no worries. And also today we're joined by Charlotte Patterson on who talk about uh, the Lionesses uh triumph on sunday for the uh euro 2022 championships thank, uh how are you charlotte you okay yeah i'm doing really well thank you um i think i'm still trying to get over the shock of what happened on sunday but i'm, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit yeah it was fantastic i was in york for it um with my girlfriend and the atmosphere in york was absolutely class for it so um what we'll do is we'll just you know we'll, we'll get straight into it um and i'll start with yourself England ladies team, Serena Wiegmann, done a fantastic job. I mean, you know, guide us through it. Like, what what were your thoughts, you know, for going from the group stages into the quarters and the semis? Um, I, I mean, the, the like we call, it's it's England women, mate, but it, it doesn't matter. Just a lot of, a couple of people sometimes, like, kind of don't like it being called a ladies team. Yeah. But I'm not bothered. It doesn't really, doesn't really fuss me, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to be honest, before the tournament started, I, I thought they had a chance. You know, I always thought that we'd get deep because obviously it's a home tournament. We saw what happened with with England men um, the year before, and obviously they they, they got heartbreak in the in the um, in the final, lost on penalties. You, you see what the home crowd can do. 
you know, and and that's basically probably the the biggest success story of this whole tournament was how 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 well received it was by fans. You know, you saw pretty much most of the stadium was was jam packed. You know, the semi final, um, both semi finals were sold out. You know, M Stadium MK got thirty thousand people there, which was a stadium record for them. It was unbelievable uh, for a football match. You saw Wembley sell out. You know, neck end of eighty five thousand people there. You know, and, and people say that women's football doesn't matter. I think I think the whole tournament proved that it does. Um, but yeah, going into the tournament, I thought they had a chance. Um, did I think they were going to win it? Probably not. I'm not going to you know say that. I always thought they did. Well, I thought they would have a chance. What they did was though was just played at the strength so well. And in Serena Wigman, they've got a coach that they need to tie down for a very long time, to be honest, because um, she's immense. You know, everything she touches just turns to gold. She's she's a really, really like top-notch coach, but a very clever woman as well. You know, so yeah, I thought, like I said, thought that we were going to do all right, but did I think they were going to win it? Probably not. So I was pleasantly shocked. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Serena Wiegmann, um, unbeaten as England coach as well, which is a, a fantastic record. I mean, Charlotte, what were your thoughts on, you know, the tournament all throughout? Yeah, I mean, just kind of like what Ant said before, obviously uh, Serena's come in with a great pedigree. I mean, um, obviously she won the last Euros with the Netherlands at the time and sort of since she's took charge, um, she's just really transformed this England team. I mean, we were unbeaten heading sort of um, into the competition and she's just got us playing some really entertaining attacking football um, you know I feel like when we were under Phil Neville that we just stagnated a little bit um, almost similar to, to I mean I know obviously Gareth Southgate's done really well with England but I think he's maybe getting to that point now where you know we would score first and then we would try to you know defend for 90 minutes and it was the same for England women um, but Serena's just really turned things around I mean she's got a great team of both experienced players and then really young up-and-coming talents you know the likes of Chloe Kelly, Alyssa Russo, uh, Ella Toon who you know we saw as the sort of trio of substitutes that would always come on but yeah I mean I, I was a bit like Ant really I, I felt like England were going to do really well in the tournament but um, I'll be honest I, I wasn't maybe it was wishful thinking on my part that they would win but I did feel that we would you know maybe bow out in the, the semi-finals or you know maybe get to the final similar to 2009 and then get beat um, I was actually thinking the likes of Sweden would go on to win it all um, but I mean it was a fantastic tournament um, you know like, like what Anne mentioned before you know we had some brilliant attendances um, right across the country and obviously sold out Wembley for the final um, goals galore, pretty much. I think there wasn't any game really that you could say was boring. There were, you know, highly entertaining games. So it was an absolutely, you know, fantastic tournament, and it was, you know, uh, finished off with an, an amazing triumph for England. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you touched on there some really entertaining games. I mean, you know, the game against Norway eight nil, um, game against Northern Ireland five nil. Uh, just a solid, solid showing from the from the women's team. One game though, which I felt was maybe a little bit of a banana skin throughout the whole tournament was the Spain game, which went to extra time. I mean, and what what was your thoughts going into extra time in that game? I mean, did you feel we could still take the game or did you feel maybe Spain might have took that game in the end? As soon as we equalised, I thought we would win that one. Um, I think that, that one, the, the, Sp the Spanish coach didn't particularly cover himself in glory. You know, he he took all the players off who were causing England trouble. You know, we were in trouble in that game. That was probably the one 
the one time that we were in trouble. Um, you know, a little bit in the final when Germany equalised, we had to, you know, weather the storm a little bit. But in in that in that in that game against the Spanish for sixty odd minutes, we were second best. And then, you know, Samina Wigman makes the subs. Um, you know, I think Ella Toon goes and scores and equalises. But in in uh, extra time, I only thought it was going to be one win. Um, we we really dominated that that um that extra time period. You know, with a great goal from Georgia Stanway. Um, that was yeah yeah that was the potential one. With, Listen, the Spanish are a great side, you know, and it, they got let down. You know, the players got let down off their manager that that day. Yeah, I mean, I felt throughout the tournament, um, that game was for me personally the most trickiest. Um, I really thought, you know, Sweden might be a banana skin, um, but we we played brilliantly against Sweden. I mean, Charlotte, I want to bring you in on the the Sweden game four 0 win. I mean, what were your thoughts on that? I thought personally that would have been an even more difficult game over Spain and potentially a, a game where we might have got knocked out and I thought we played fantastically well. I thought personally it would be 1-0, but, you know, we scored four goals and I thought it was just a fantastic performance. I mean, what did you think, Charlotte? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> heading into the game, um, I was really panicking about playing Sweden. Like I, I mentioned just before, I'd kind of tipped them to, you know, go on to win it because um, I watched them in the Olympics. Um, I'm trying to remember when it was last year, but they'd um, performed so well and, you know, um, they were only to the post really winning the Olympics by Canada so you know they came away with a silver medal and you know they've got amazing um caliber of players and talents you know those that uh, apply the trade and the, the WSL and they've you know up until that point they'd had a, a really good tournament so I, I, I you know I was thinking that it was going to be you know something like a 1-1 maybe go extra time or that it would be you know somebody would clinch the winner sort of towards the last stages of the game but I didn't expect such an emphatic uh, results really I mean um, when we've discussed England before we've always said that they're quite sort of slow to get off the mark but I think we just really I think there might have been one little scare in the first sort of five ten minutes where Sweden had a shot and it might have hit off the crossbar but after that we just gained our composure and we just you know went for the throat really I mean um, if I remember correctly I'm sure we had something like 17 shots you know throughout the game and um, our passing and just like attacking impetus, you know, down the wings. Um, you know, we had four different goal scorers and it was just absolutely like sensational. I just wasn't expecting it. I mean, at one point when we did sort of get four, I was worried that it was going to become a similar scoreline to the Scandinavian neighbours, Norway. Um, but yeah, it was just absolutely fantastic. And I think that was kind of where I got to the point where, you know, regardless of who the winner was of, of Germany and France, I kind of felt like we could do this. Uh, that was when the sort of uh, belief started to to kick in. As much as we, it's you know, being uh, England and Sutherland fans kind of teach you not to have too much hope. But at that point, it was hard not to. Yeah, definitely preach that as well. Um, and in in the Sweden game, especially, you know, there were some brilliant goals. Uh, best of the bunch for me personally Alessia Russo and I do want to go into kind of individual performances in just a moment but we finally want to go into the final Germany 2-1 um, and first and foremost your thoughts going into that game and how we performed in that game obviously we won it which was fantastic but what were uh, your thoughts on the overall performance from the team? Um, it was it was one of those. It was a typical final. Was it was very cagey early on. Um, you know, I, I thought it would have been a little bit more. I thought it was a bit of a shame that 
um, Alexander Pop pulled up. I know she'd had a bit of an injury beforehand, um, but I was, you know, it would have been nice to have, you know, full strength on both sides. But listen, it's a ton of football injuries happening. Um, yeah, I thought it was a very tight game. I thought the Germans were rough, trying to rough us up, which is fair enough. You know, it's, it's, it's football, isn't it? Um, I thought when England went 1-0 up, they needed to get the second and, and they didn't. And the Germans, to be fair, then came back and, you know, got the equaliser. And then, to be honest, in there's in a similar situation to the Spanish game, I thought there was only going to be one winner, but I thought that was the Germans. <laughs> um, and what turned the game, and, and well, there was a couple of things what turned the game, but a main factor was... The, when Jill Scott got up and started shouting at the German, you know, we're not going to say profanities on here because obviously it's uh, cost us a fortune. But <laughs> that that kind of just, I think it put the Germans back in their box a little bit. Um, you know, when, you know, listen, Jill Scott's, a, you know, she's been a professional for nearly 20 years. You know, she knows the game inside out. And it was, it just kind of stopped their momentum a little bit. Um, and then again, in extra time, it was very well managed. You know, we got the goal. Um, through Chloe Kelly, you know, a really nice, you know, really nice finish from her. A bit of a scrappy goal, but um, you know, a really, you know, euphoric celebration. Um, but after then, England's game players came in, uh, you know, came into the fore. Lucy Bronze getting the ball in the corners, you know, they the saw it out really, really well. But it was, it was a very tense. It was a tense game for 120 minutes. I mean. Uh, I, I would have loved to have been there, but in, in a similar situation, I'm probably glad I wasn't because it was so tense. Yeah, I totally agree. And like I say, I, I watched it out in a bar in York, and the, you know the atmosphere was was fantastic. It was packed bar, um, and you know when we got the first and even the second, you know the place erupted. Um, you mentioned there the one, um, Alexandra Pop was missing for that game. So, uh, Charlotte, you know, how much of a difference do you feel that made? Um, for the well, for England and also for Germany, really, because they were missing one of their key players throughout the tournament. Yeah, I think it was a big factor. I mean, heading into just before the final, obviously she was kind of chasing the likes of Beth Mead for um, sort of the the golden boot, and she's just an absolutely emphatic player. You know, um, the skill that she has in front of goal, like her ability to sort of hold the ball up and get others involved. Um, her clinical ability as well, like, you know, if she gets the ball in the box, it's, you know, definitely going into the net. And I just think Germany lacked that that cutting edge, really. And I think that was, you know, in part due to um, sort of pop being there. And I suppose you could say similarly to Spain, you know, obviously they lost um, Alexi just before the start of the tournament, who again is a very big key player for them. Um, and it's somebody who they probably would have relied on to sort of lead the line or, you know, grab the, the game by the scruff of the neck and be that game changer. Um, and that's why we're so fortunate, really, at England, is I wouldn't necessarily say we have any key players. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, there's certain players who've had, like, consistently excellent performances, you know, the likes of, of Kira Walsh and um, Leah Williamson and um, the likes of Lauren Hemp as well, Georgia Stanway. I mean, they've all been absolutely brilliant but I wouldn't say there's one person who we rely on solely and I think that's what's so great about this England team is the cohesion between the two, like all of them I think Serena's really created this amazing sort of almost like a, a family um, ethic that they have um, where they're all kind of fight for each other and you know you see even after the games how much it means to them and how much they're interacting with each other everybody seems to to get along and you know one of the other things that we've been so lucky with during the tournament is we 
despite you know Serena starting the same 11 throughout the tournament and using pretty much the same subs is we never had any injury problems either so we were you know potentially very fortunate in that sense but you know we made the most of what we have and the girls clearly prepared well and all the sort of coaching staff and medical staff were on you know hand to make sure everybody was fit and ready yeah um and you know you touched on there that you know we we did use the, the vast majority of the team vast majority of subs and came through with, with vastly unscathed as well which was was really impressive um moving on though, more so impressive is that a lot of players really stood out in this tournament um i'm going to be honest there's been players which i haven't really heard much of who you know really came through and really stood out alessia russo is one of those but first and foremost and i just want you to tell me which player you felt really stood out and why and I mean, obviously, Beth Mead's going to be at the top of everyone's list, isn't it? Because she was just fantastic. She's won, you know, she won Player of the Tournament. She's won Golden Boot. Um, you know, we did a we did a Twitter space on on Monday for Rock Report, and you know, it was pretty much a Mead or Love End, which fair enough to her. But for me, I, I knew how good Beth Mead was anyway. You know what I mean? I saw her, I saw her at Sunderland. I've seen her grow at Arsenal, and I, I knew how good she was anyway. And to be honest, Kira Walsh is a player I didn't know that much about. Um, and I thought she was absolutely fantastic. You know, she just reminds us so much of like, um, like back in the day, like an Andrea Pirlo kind of player. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't particularly, you know, move around the pitch, glide around the pitch or anything like that. But her passing, um, her, 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 like passing range, range is unbelievable. You know, that that ball through for Toon for the for the win for the yeah for the sorry the, for the first goal on on Sunday was absolutely magnificent. You know that that's just not meant. That's it was the perfect way. It was the perfect flight. It's put Toon straight to one goal, and she was absolutely amazing. And the majority of our our play was through Kira Walsh. You know she's she was absolutely fantastic. So she deserves to be up there. I think for me, she would probably be the player of the tournament. You know I know Beth Mead won it, uh, but I would have gave Beth Mead obviously because she'd won the Golden Boot. I would have gave the, the, the player tournament to Kira Walsh. Thought she was absolutely immense. Um, also, I thought Millie Bright. I think she hasn't been mentioned as near as as much as what she should have done. You know, absolutely colossal at the back. You know, her and Leah Williamson have got a wonderful partnership. But you know, I'd love to see her head and stats. Um, Charlotte, I know you're a statistician and everything, but I would love to see her head and stats for the tournament. You know, the amount of headers she won in the box, tremendous. You know, so to pick two out of them, Gary, probably them too. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I think there was, like there was a, a lot of standout talent um it, throughout the tournament. I mean, what about yourself, Charlotte? Who you know would you be picking as a real standout? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to sort of deviate away from what Anne said, really, especially regarding um, Hero Walsh, who, you know, like, I just think she just quietly goes about the business. But what she does, she does so well, um, just sort of dictating that play right in the middle of the pitch and um, creating so many opportunities and, have, like, just great vision and scanning, you know, to see sort of the runners, particularly, you know, towards the latter stages of the game when we were bringing on the likes of Rousseau and Two and Kelly, who were very fast, you know, young-paced um, and watching them, you know, go like down the line exactly what happened in the, the game against Germany for the first goal. And, you know, she spotted Ella Toon making the run and absolutely brilliant ball over the top. So it is hard to sort of, you know, not say that she was the one who stood out. But um, I also thought the likes of Fran Kirby had um, a really good tournament. And I suppose maybe some people might think it was a quiet one by her standards, but she's had such a difficult year. Um, you know, prior to this tournament, um, she barely played any 
um, domestic football for, for Chelsea. Um, she was struggling with sort of um, fatigue, um, having to have oxygen tanks at home and having to have treatment. Um, you know, there was many people who weren't sure if she was going to be making a comeback. Um, so for her to sort of come into the tournament without that much sort of match experience and fitness um, and put on some of the displays that she did. And I mean, I think it was the the goal in the game against Sweden, which was absolutely stunning from sort of outside of the box to... Um, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a chip, but it went straight over the, the Sweden goalkeeper and it was just fantastic. But it, it's so hard because, I mean, I just think everybody in that England squad had such a, a good um, tournament. I mean, whether or not, the, you know, they were on the score sheet or assists, like, you know, what Anne said was like Millie Bright, um, she was just absolutely lethal and getting up in the air and dominating, um, getting the headers in, getting the tackles in. Mary Earps, you know, she wasn't really called upon that many times, but when she was, she pulled off some amazing saves. I mean, I, I'm sure there's about two or three in the tournament where it looked certain to be going over and heading into the top corner or, you know, pinging in off the crossbar. And she just somehow managed to claw it out of the goal and tip it over the bar. Um, and it's so hard as a goalkeeper, if you're not being regularly tested, to maintain your focus. So, you know, for her to go in some of the games where she would barely have a shot against her for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, to pull off something like that, absolutely fantastic. So right the way through and uh, even the subs who came on, despite the fact they might not have had all that too many minutes, um, you know, like what we spoke about right at the start, um, that Anne said about Jill Scott. I mean, you know, she came on towards the latter stages of the game, but she was always so composed that somebody who you can rely on, because that's always the worry is you bring the substitutes on and, you know, especially in games like that in the final, you, you know, you worry, are they going to do like, um, are they going to make a mistake? Or are they going to do something? But she was just so composed and her coming on really changed the game. I think, um, like Ant mentioned, with sort of the way she sort of squared up to the, the German player, <laughs> I think it just really changed things. So, yeah, right the way through the whole squad, it's, it's so hard to just pick one because it was just a really emphatic team performance. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and you mentioned Mary Epps as well. And like she she didn't really have much to do, especially when we're beating teams eight nil and five nil. But to keep our concentration and be called upon when she's called upon to just be as good as she was, I was very impressed with her. But one of the players who I thought was absolutely outstanding, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Leah Williamson had only played two games at centre-back for England before the tournament going into it. Am, am I right yeah, or am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, and I thought she was fantastic. Like, obviously, yeah. led the team to glory. But I was looking at the stats before, in two games before tournament going in and taking up a centre-back position, I thought that was just, like, uh, the versatility is just second to none. That was thought was brilliant, in my honest opinion. To be honest, Gary, though, like, that's what, I think that's what's kind of, Shown how good this squad is because Serena Wingman doesn't particularly play them in the correct positions, yeah. but she plays to a team that she knows are gonna, is going to work. You got Rachel Daly who's a left back; she's a forward. You know, uh, it's 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 just like putting people in the in the right in the right team, gelling together, and that's what's won um, England this tournament. You know, um, she's been absolutely amazing. I agree about Leah Williams. I think she's been fantastic. You know, her and Millie Bright at the back. Brilliant, but there's literally every player you can probably say have have had a good tournament. There's always been somebody 
who stuck out, you know what I mean? Like Miro had a couple of games, yeah. she got a hat trick, and um, like that. You know, Alessia Russo when she came on, scored four goals. Ella Toon, you know, you can probably say it. You can put a blanket over all of them and say that at one point they've had to show up, and that's what wins your tournaments. You know, you you can't have you can't carry anybody. You know, and, and that's what uh, what England's done. Everyone stepped up at the right time. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, the squad is relatively quite a young squad as well. Um, So there is a lot of potential and ability there. And, you know, our top goal scorer is Ellen White with 52 goals, I think. Um, Alessia Russo, 23 years old, made a massive impression on me personally. I mean, do you see, you know, Alessia Russo being, you know, the future for us up front? Or do you think maybe someone else is going to step into that void when Ellen White decides to retire? Is that for me? Sorry. Any anyone. All right. Um, I'll I'll let Charlotte speak about this as well. But for me, I I think I think Ellen White, even though she didn't score that many goals, um, you know, I think she only got one goal in the tournament. But her, you know, harassing of of centre halves was it got them all you know worked up and got them all tired for Alessia Russo to come and do what she did so you know for me Alan White's not finished she's only 32 year old she's not finished by a long shot so I'd like to see her you know stay on but the future of this squad is you know obviously you know Ella Toon Alessia Russo you know so um, yeah you know I'd like to see her keep on for a couple of, couple more years I'd like to see her get as high up in the stats as she can you know a goal scoring wise she's one behind Harry Kane so I'd like to see you know overtake even though Harry Kane will probably you know <laughs> reclaim that I'd like to see you know get up there you know what I mean yeah what about yourself Charlotte I mean just who do you see taking over Alan White's number nine in the future <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what Anne said, really. I mean, I don't think the... I think Ellen White's still got you know, plenty left in the tank, really. I mean, as much as, yes, she might not have got on the score sheet or had, like, the assist, so, um, you know, her ability to hold the ball up and her strength in sort of getting involved in the game, um, you know, there was quite a few times where you could see her, you know, backtracking, um, willing to defend, you know, coming all the way back, Um linking up player with like sort of the likes of Frank Kirby or Beth Mead or Lauren Lauren Hemp out on the wings. Um so like you know like what we said she she might not have got on sort of scored as many goals as she would have liked but she still had a, a huge involvement in the game and um had you know making sure that she followed through with her defensive duties and just letting the players you know get up the pitch you know at times when they needed breathers she would hold the ball up and um you know sort of wait for the opportunity to maybe counter and and other times, you know, she was there waiting for the likes of, you know, Russell or the likes of Beth Mead to run on through. Um, and I mean, there was lots of times as well where she, she came agonisingly close to scoring some goals, but just sort of uh, whispering past the past the course. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like we touched on, you know, Alyssa Russell is absolutely fantastic, so young. And that that's the good thing is, you know, I think... Is, it's great having so many young players coming up, but we still need the likes of Ellen White as well, just to add that that experience that she's had through, you know, not only just domestically but internationally of all the games that she's played, and you know, sharing that um, sort of the knowledge that she's gained and those experiences with the young players, um, you know, having some calm heads uh, on the pitch to to maintain control, you know, that's what the likes of you know Jill Scott and um, I mean I know obviously Steph Horton didn't play. Uh, in the tournament, but that's what they can do with the squad is, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck, calm everybody down, um, maintain the composure, the rhythm of the game. Um, so I think it's still integral to have those experienced players 
it, like within the squad, but definitely it, it's you know it spells something positive for the future that we've got so many young and you know relatively up and coming players um, that this you know it, you know is likely not to be just a, a once in a, a lifetime thing. You know, I, I, I'm feeling very positive for um, the Women's World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand that we can really compete and you know it'll be a really good test of our strength um with the friendly upcoming in i think it was october isn't it but um at USA. wembley with the usa because obviously they're, they're the world champions they won the last world cup um to see what we can do against you know in a further international competition because you know some people might say that um we had some easy games which i mean i'm not you know i, I wouldn't agree with that I was not expecting that result whatsoever against Norway. Norway are not a pushover by any means. So for that emphatic of a, a scoreline, I was completely like uh, just taken aback. Um, but yeah, real test of uh, sort of our strength and caliber. And if you know, again, like this wasn't just a a one off. And I, I truly believe that you know Serena's got a, a amazing core of a team, and you know, hopefully over sort of. The additional friendlies as well we get to see some more young players coming through and getting their opportunities yeah definitely and you know the next question i was going to go into there starting with yourself charlotte is what what's the what does the future hold now for the england team um we've got the uefa qualifiers in september we've got austria and we've got luxembourg um how do you think we'll we'll do in those two games before the friendly against the usa yeah, I mean, I would, I would fully expect England to get wins in both of those. Um, you know, again, sort of like what I mentioned before is, you know, people will question what the benefit is for England and, you know, based on the likes of, of Luxembourg, um, you know, because prior to the Euros, I think we had a game, I'm trying to remember who it was against, I was at Lithuania, possibly, um, where we won 18-0. Um, and, you know, people were questioning it and like that, it's you know embarrassing for the game or you know whatever it is that they want to say, but it's important for both sides, you know, because it isn't always just about winning, you know, um, as much as it was in fact scoreline. Um, teams like you know I can't remember, I'm sure it was it was it might have been Latvia actually, was, yeah, Latvia, Latvia, so yeah, was, yeah, twenty nil, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but. As, as awful as it sounds, it's a huge learning experience. And not only them, they're getting to come up against like these world-class players. Um, you know, I'd seen it in um, the the Asian um, sort of football cup right at the start of the year. And I, I mean, I won't go off too much of a tangent when we're talking about England, but there was um, Australia had absolutely hammered um, the likes of Indonesia women. And after the game, all the, the Indonesian players were running over to the likes of Sam Kerr and taking selfies and were crying because they were so happy to sort of um, meet their, their idols. So, you know, it wasn't just because the score was, you know, heavy doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to sit there and cry. And they were, they were so happy to play against these types of people. So um, I think, you know, the friendlies, regardless of who we're playing, is obviously uh, beneficial to the team and sort of, like I said, maybe at times having um, a bit of a mixture of different players coming in, um, changing up formations, changing in tactics, just to sort of have a have a trial of everything, really, because, uh, you know, obviously coming up in the World Cup next year, it is going to be incredibly hard and we are going to come up against some top opposition and, you know, opposition that we don't play all too regularly um, with them being outside of Europe. So, um, I would, yeah, I would fully expect sort of in these, these friendlies coming up, um, 
And again, just uh, as long as we've got Serena at the wheel, I think uh, it's absolutely um, sort of the future's bright, to be honest, for England. Yeah, I would agree with that. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a coach that's undefeated and I think we've scored over 100 goals. Um, So I would totally, totally agree with that. Um, And going into the friendly with the USA in October, um, if my stats serve us right, I'm sure um, yourself or Charlotte will correct me. The last time we played USA, we got beat 2-0. How do you think we'll you know, fare in that friendly? Granted, it is a friendly, but it is against the world champions. How do you think we would fare in that? Oh, it's, it's, it, to be honest, it's quite a big game. I mean, it'll, it'll be a celebration, I think, you know, back, back at Wembley and everything like that. You know, it will be a celebration of, of you know, the, the success what they've done. But listen, it's, it's a massive benchmark to, you know, what a stamp it would be to put on if they could manage to beat them. You know, it would be unbelievable. So I don't think they've got anything to fear. Listen, the Americans are a great side, but I don't think um, England have got anything to fear. And what... What's great about this whole tournament now is, you know, we we went into this tournament mentioning the likes of Sweden, the likes of Spain, the likes of Germany, France, uh, even the Netherlands, you know what I mean? Who were like, you know, in the you know, the top teams in the world. England now have, you know, pretty much put their stamp on that tournament and put themselves in, you know, the reckoning for the World Cup next year. You know, yeah, it's gonna be difficult, but you know, as as Shadows pointed out with Serena Wigman there, it's just it's amazing, you know, and it's going to be, yeah, it's, I think it'll be a great game and they've got nothing to fear though, you know, they, they, they don't play with fear, so it's, it's they're just going to go out and do what they do, Gary, to be honest, whether they win or lose. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be a great game regardless of whether or not it's a friendly because at the end of the day it's the European Champions against, against the World Champions, Champions versus Champions. Um, but no, definitely totally agree with you. Um, you know, one thing I want to touch on with Serena Wiegmann is she is a fantastic elite coach do you feel that maybe, you know, when the the men go into Qatar at the end of the year, that, you know, maybe there might be some kind of potential input where Southgate maybe, you know, might seek some, you know, tactical advice from Wiegmann. At the end of the day, she's an elite coach. It, it would be great to see her have an input in, in the men's side of the to- tournament at the end of the year. Do you think that's possible? It's, it's hard to say, really. I mean, I think... Um... Gary Southgate's quite a um, sort of inclusive man from what I can sort of tell. Um, I don't think he's he's kind of arrogant in the way that he is and that he thinks he's better than anybody. So I think there is, you know, the potential that, um, you know, he could speak to Serena and sort of underpin what, you know, tactics she displayed, perhaps sort of her man management skills, um, you know, how she gets the, the team sort of um, prepared for the games, how she gets them sort of psyched up. I mean, maybe even, you know, halftime team talks as well, you know, obviously the changes that that can make. So, um, I, you know, I think Gareth would be sort of foolish not to, um, to speak to Serena and, you know, kind of look to the Lionesses as, as um, something, you know, like a, as a positive um, example as to, what the, the men should be doing, um, really. I mean, like I um, kind of touched on towards the start of the podcast is, you know, they, they've gone, you know, they've been performing really well in recent years, um, but we're just lacking that cutting edge. Um, so perhaps, you know, there's some recommendations that Serena can provide that might just help, uh, you know, Gareth in England unlock that sort of just that additional, you know, whatever it is that they need to just take it that one step further. 
yeah i would um i would definitely say it's very very helpful and handy to have an extra pair of eyes especially a coach the caliber of uh, serena um for for the men going into our tournament at the end of the year um what about yourself and um I think they might ask for advice, you know, kind of, you know, as a, you know, say if they've, if they've made it a coaching event or something like that. But I don't think Gareth Southgate will be asking many coaches about their opinions because I think he's, as well, Charles put out, he's very much, you know, driven on on, on himself and he'll trust himself and his abilities. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think, you, you know, you put the, the, the boat on the other. I don't think Serena Wayne would have asked Gareth Southgate for any advice. You know, she just puts in a plan of what she wants to do. So I think it, it gets a little bit of a, I don't know, I think you, you, you're kind of like, you know, treading on a little bit of a, of a fine line when you ask another coaches. I know it's it's probably something that does get done, but I think um, I think they'll just, just trust in themselves, I think, uh, Gary, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, what we'll do then now then is uh, obviously, you know, it, it's been a fantastic chat about, um, you know, the England women, you know, doing, winning the Euros, which is fantastic to see. It, it has really put like, you know, a great spotlight on, on the women's side of the game. And, you know, I thought Ian Wright talked very, very passionately about it all throughout his um, punditry as well with BBC. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on that? I'll let you go first, Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have to start, it was, you know, it, he was absolutely right in what he was saying. And I mean, um, we're so lucky that, you know, Ian Wright's been um, a huge advocate for women's football for such a long time. And he's, you know, not somebody who just gets involved because that's what the sort of bandwagon wants to do or just to, to appear to be sort of um, adherent of what people want. You know, he actually enjoys women's football. He likes, you know, taking part. He likes sort of following I mean obviously I know there's a lot of um Arsenal girls um sort of in the team so that might help but um yeah I mean he's just a huge advocate whether it's sort of commentating on games or just being involved or advocating for them on social media I mean even when it's not sort of the Euros you see him doing exactly the same for the domestic league as well um I think the likes of him and Alex Scott you know made some really great points and it's so important now that um, you know, it was already going to be hugely beneficial hosting this tournament and having a good tournament to have um, a huge impact on the way women's football is perceived in the country. But to actually go out and win it, I think it's just sort of, I'm, I'm hoping, because um, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of positive things at the moment, and I'm just hoping that it continues. Um, you know, obviously the, the advocating for, for change is that letter that they've, just wrote, um, you know, trying to make sure that young girls can play football um, in school, um, you know, in their PE lessons. Because, you know, I remember even when I was at school, um, you know, I had to beg my teachers to let me play football. I mean, admittedly, there was only me and about two other girls who really wanted to, but we had to beg them to let us because, you know, they wanted us to play, like, to do gymnastics, which I wasn't keen on whatsoever. Um, so that's huge because it's, you know, it's going to change the way that grassroots is and it's going to change the, the way that talent starts to filter, you know, up through um, all the different levels and all the different systems. Um, it only means that we can have, you know, even more entertaining domestic leagues. You know, the, the standard uh, will increase the, the, the finances, the market, and, you know, it, it all has a huge impact throughout the game. And it, it starts off from, you know, the small beginnings in, in grassroots football and, if they're getting access to the right facilities and training and coaching, um, 
you know, who knows where, you know, sort of the domestic scene can be. So um, it was really important words um, that, you know, the likes of Ian and, and Alex stated. Um, I think it's one that most people already knew, but to, to sort of have it out there for everybody, you know, we have a huge audience of people who were watching, whether it was, you know, live or on the BBC iPlayer. Um, so that message is crystal clear to everybody. Yeah, I think Alex Scott did a fantastic job as well, but she's done a fantastic job for, for years on both sides of the game. And I think she's still the host of Football Focus as well, and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, still doing that, yeah. She's, I think she. I can't remember she took over from. I think it was Dan Water, but I think she does a great job with yeah. that as well. She's very, very well respected pundit. I really rate that. I mean, what we'll do is we'll we'll wrap it up there now. Um, Charlotte, what we normally do is we do um a baller in ball ache of the week. I don't know if Anne's told you about this already before. No, we started. I haven't. <laughs> no, no. All right. So basically, what we do is we pick a baller in a ball ache. So. Baller would be, you know, someone who's really stood out. And I, I imagine we'll probably all pick the same um, for that. But Baller, it would be a moment where it's like, you know, what are you doing? Or what have you done there? Like a bit of a silly moment in football. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, Charlotte, to try and maybe think of something. If you can't I think know, of anything. I was just thinking, yeah, I can maybe definitely come with a baller. I'm trying to think of a baller. <laughs> if you can't think of anything, not the end of the world. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll start with yourself and... Um, baller for me is Chloe Kelly. Um, you know, just getting a winning goal in front of Wembley. Um, you know, Ella Toon was so close to getting his flat finish, and just a fantastic goal. But you know, it's just, you know, it's just just the sheer joy, the sheer euphoric moment. You know, um, I've watched you know women's football for quite a long time. I don't think I've ever seen a celebration like that. You know, it's kind of empowered women as well. Like it's great. You know, just very quickly touch on what Charlotte said as well about. Um, about how you know they've wrote the letter and everything like that. This is just for anyone who does listen to this. If you know your, you know, if your team has a women's team or anywhere local has a women's team, get yourself down, get watching them. You know, you can, I only got into this. You know, I only got into women's football about five, six years ago, and I absolutely love it. You know, um, get yourself down. It's a completely different atmosphere for what you're used to. It's just, it's the, the game for me is just. Uh, you know, a completely different game than the men's. You know, there's no cheating, there's no diving, there's no screaming on. You know, it's just a great atmosphere to be there. So, you know, if you've got, you know, the, the chance to do it, do it, you know. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your ball ache, and Ball ache? Um, I can't... I'm not going to be able to say Richard Madeley, am I? Because he's not a sportsman. Uh, just for calling Chloe Kelly Coco. Uh, that was a bit... I mean, a bit cringe. I'll accept um, it though. I'll accept it because it is football related. So I'll accept uh, it. No, but he's no because I wouldn't let you have Boris Johnson. What else? So <laughs> um, I'll try and think of one. Um, um, that hasn't been much on, has there, in terms of because to be honest, ball, I was quite close to seeing Katrina Johnson Thompson as well because she's just won a, a come up. But probably the guy, the swimming guy who's won, he's won six medals, the British guy. Um, and I can't remember his name now. Who's won six medals this this week, and they've all been silver. <laughs> they must be absolutely raging. Was it not Adam Peaty? I mean, I don't know. Was Adam? No, Peaty it wasn't goal? Peaty. No, it was Ed. Somebody. Oh, that's the only swimmer I know. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He, he was. I was watching it yesterday in the medley, and he was like about fourth, and then it came to the hundred meters. It came to the the front crawl, 
and he was like absolutely ten for the field, but he only come second. And they said that was his sixth second of the week. So that, that's that's pretty that's probably sickening a lot. Like, ah, fair enough. I mean, I'll go into my baller and baller just to give you a little bit more time there, Charlotte. Um, <laughs> so my baller for me personally, Williamson Fortune's fantastic leader, did brilliantly with the England team. Um, and when I was like I say, I was when I looked at the statistics, she'd played two games as a centre back before going to the tournament, and that versatility I thought was just like unreal so you know beth mead was fantastic you know a lot of players were but for me really really rated what lee williamson did so that's my uh baller going into that and ball ache i think i've got to kind of go with that erlen harland miss uh where it it went over the bar and Coming off the back of that, I saw a meme on Instagram where it was Darwin Nunez with his top off, and it was the caption was "Knowing the memes are not going to be about me tonight," <laughs> and it was that celebration where he's like just on the, on his knees with his top off, and I thought it was just funny. Um, but that that's mine, and I love how he's been written off already. Like he's played one game, <laughs> everyone's written him off. Oh, oh. it's a fraud! <laughs> like how oh, man? Oh, absolutely. You <laughs> will have a bad game. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Um, but it's a tongue in cheek ball ache that one because Ellen Harland's an elite player, and you know, like like you say, he shouldn't be wrote off. But a lot of eyes would have been on him in that game. But at the end of the day, the Community Shield, um, it would. It, it, there wasn't much interest in it with you know the the England women in a final um in my honest opinion I don't really know many people that watch the community shield so there wasn't much interest but Erlen Harland is going to have a fantastic season regardless for Man City he needs to find his feet um which is going to take time and you know it might not be this season it might be next season who knows um but I'm sure he'll have a fantastic season and um, what about yourself Charlotte have you had a chance to think yeah, um, so you know what? I thought the, the ball eight was going to be really hard, and then I'm trying to decide which one I want for the ball eight because there's so many choices. But I think for me, just because I was like so taken aback uh, and just amazed, um, it has to be Alyssa Russo with that um, that goal where she just back heeled it, um, nutmegged, um, and, and just scored. I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, people being like, oh, well, you sh- she should have put away a first shot. But it would have been so easy when she that you know that ball was was saved for her to just put her head in her hands and to, yeah, to stop yeah. running. But she kept going and even with a back towards goal, and it was just just completely audacious. Like you just don't expect it. And like again, like people are like oh well, the keeper should have gone better. There was no way you were expecting somebody to just back heel it and then to react when it's like literally going through your legs. It's just impossible. So for her to do that and that you know that. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just talking about it. It has me like, <laughs> me, like remembering it all over again. It was just absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of good goals to choose from, but that one for me, I, literally, I was sat on the, the couch and I, I stood up and I had just my my hands on my head and I was just like, did she really just do that? Did she really just do that? Um, but yeah, I mean, for for ball ache, um, whether or not this is allowed, um, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I was going to go with Alan Sugar. Um, just because he came out with some really stupid comments on Twitter. Um, basically, he was ranting on about how um, there was no um, sort of male coverage or representation in the women's heroes because it, it was all women like commentators or an all women panel, like failing to realise that there was, you know, the likes of Ian Wright and there was um, Jonas Infall, I think I'm 
might be butchering his surname, but the, the manager for Arsenal and just loads of other um, men who were involved, whether it was sort of on punditry, whether it was on like um, commentary, you know, behind the scenes with the work that we're doing. So it was just a stupid comment. And then later on, I think Ian Wright had proved him, you know, kind of called him out for it. And then the next day when I think it was Ian Wright who was on the panel, he was believing that it was down to him completely yeah. about it. So like, you just can't. Yeah, he's just an egotistical. Yeah, I won't say any more. Uh, I yeah. don't want him to get in trouble. <laughs> no, that's fine. We touched on that last week as well, and it? it's just so like true. Like he is just so egotistical. But the you know the response from Ian Wright was just literally like hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, Charlotte, want to thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your time tonight. Um, and as as always, thanks very much as well. And obviously a massive congratulations to our lionesses on bringing it home. So thank you and good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network.